Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Amen. You can be seated. I, uh, every time I, uh, we say uh, you give and take away, I think that our God is the one who is the giver and he takes away the sickness and brings healing and wholeness. Takes away the pain and brings fullness and restoration. He, what a great exchange we have through the cross, right? Amen. He's a good God. I just want to make just a comment and we have... Uh, we have, I think, a special treat this morning that uh, it's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, just want to make a statement since it's kind of in the news and conversations as a kind of a response to the coronavirus. If I can just take just a moment with that and uh, or the COVID-19 as it's referred to. Um, I think everybody knows the fact that it originated in Wuhan province in, in China. We know that there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of things that went on in the, in the beginnings of it where things were not revealed to the world at large about it. And we know that, there, that it has been spreading to various other countries and areas and even some here in the United States. I, I think that, first of all, we need to see that people, there are some who say, well, this is this is one of the, the prophecies concerning the horsemen that's mentioned in the book of Revelation that where a third of the population will be taken out by some type of pestilence or disease. Um, I don't know that there's anything to verify that uh, in any way right now, certainly not with, with this particular event. So I, I think that I'm not saying that time isn't coming. I'm just saying there's nothing that would seem to speak of this being the situation now. Uh, there's some that uh, refer to ask, is, is it really a pandemic? Is this, a, well, not at this point. It certainly, it isn't. Um, I, I think we need to keep things in proper perspective. Uh, a life, one life is very valuable, and there have been a few that have lost their lives, mostly those that were in high-risk situations health-wise, even prior to having this, uh, uh, this disease, this virus. Um, it's tragic that this should happen, but in perspective, you can see when you've got just a, a dozen or 15 or 20 up to this point that since the beginning of this year, uh, 12,000 people have died from the flu. And so you see a lot of this, though we should be aware of it, a lot of this is the fact that this is being pushed through uh, media and and it's being actually used in a lot of ways to try to drive people into fear. And uh, I just think as a church, we need, to, we need not to ever get over into fear or worry in this thing. That opens the door to the, to the enemy in so many ways. Um, unfortunately, it's being politicized by some people. And that's, that's tragic and, and uh, really a horrible thing to do. Uh, when these things... The, the, the fear element of it and the panic, not just the disease, when, they, when that begins to run rampant, then it affects so many things. It affects the stock market, the economy. Uh, it affects uh, so many things. It can get into affecting school systems and travel, food. There's so many things that it can lead to. So we need to be aware that those dangers are out there. But it should be the church that's standing now in faith 
and not get over into fear and feed into this thing at all. Uh, right now, it's being blown out of proportion, I'll just say. What will it, what will it be, become? Then uh, we don't know yet. I do know that we live in a, in a country that has so many resources and I do believe that steps are being taken to, to, uh, to rid us of, of this. But um, just, I just say don't panic over anything like this. And be proactive. Spiritually be proactive is to pray and believe the Word of God. Physically take care of yourself. Physically take care of yourself. If, if you're... If uh, you know, if you don't, if you can help it, don't be out in in situations where you people who are really sick. Or if you are sick, it's good for you to stay home, not be out there. Just some good practical steps to take in that. And of course, uh, sanitizer. You know, it would have been a good thing to have stock in sanitizer here a few weeks ago, but uh, it's off the shelves there. But it's always been a good a good thing to be clean, hasn't it? It just makes a little bit more aware of that. You know, everybody knows the Bible says that godliness is next to cleanliness. <laughs> I'm glad to see that you remember that that's not in the Bible. Uh, but cleanliness is a great thing. So take care of yourself. Use good sense in these situations. Spiritually be prepared by staying in the Word and faith and, and just, just do the right thing. And this is, uh, uh, I just believe that we're going to see some, I believe we're going to see Healings, I believe we're going to see uh, solutions found to this, and uh, we don't need to live under that type of cloud. And in reference to that, uh, I would just encourage you to get scriptures like Psalm 91 and get it down in your heart and maybe have it there before you in, in your house. And I only just want to share a few verses of Psalm 91 with you. It says, He who dwells or remains or stays in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. The Living Translation says, For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. What a beautiful picture of God's protection. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. New Living Translation says, Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Because, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling or home. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways." New Living Translation says, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you and no plague will come near your home. Uh, dads in particular, it's a good, good place for you to stand in faith over your family. I know we've all had situations where we faced sickness and, and various types of 
viruses and things, and some of you, uh, you face it with your kids going through those things, and they are exposed to a lot of things in school and various other places. We understand that. So never, uh, you know, I think this is an extremely important time for us as Christians to get, just simply stand on God's promises. And don't, don't get over there and, then, and just dwelling on sickness and any type of fear or, or, or concern that this is going to come on your family. You know, in the Old Testament, that, uh, that the instructions were given for the head of the household to bring, to kill a lamb, which was a place of substitution, one that substituted life, the shedding of blood, and put it over the door facings, the doorpost of every home. And the destruction and the sickness, the plague and death did not come into those homes. Why? Because of the blood. So it's a good time for you to apply the blood of Jesus that has been shed for you. And in faith, declare that your family is being healed if they're sick, that they're going to walk in health through this time, and that no disease is going to come near your home. Now, this doesn't just happen automatically. God expects us to stand on that truth and stand on it. And even when things do come against you, keep standing on it and believe that Believe that uh, there's no reason for you to be afraid, but that he is your healer and he is the one who keeps you whole. Can you receive that this morning? All right. All right. So let's just don't be carried away by all the, uh, all the, the news that's out there on these things. Listen to his report. His report of who you are and what he's done for you. Amen. Well, that wasn't the message for today, but... Uh, I think it's just something important for us to address. Uh, we're delighted to have the opportunity to uh, actually be able to reach out as a congregation, as a family of believers, to so many different places in the world. We support we support uh, several different mission outreaches at different times during the year in several different countries. On a regular basis, for many years now, we've been supporting Bibles for Russia, which includes Russia, Ukraine, Siberia, and even into parts of China. Um, we also have our own, our own churches in Bolivia, and we have our leaders and pastors that are down there, and occasionally you may see this, that on some of the ministries there on your Facebook page. So we have this outreach in the ministry in Bolivia that we're grateful for, and we also have some outreaches here uh, into public school systems and certainly our, our missions into the Save-A-Life ministry. So there's a lot of different ways we, opportunities we've been given to minister and share. We've had different people come here and share and then a sow into their lives as they've gone out uh, to share the gospel. Uh, we're, we're very happy and blessed to have um, a family that kind of is connected with us over the last few months. We've come out from, from uh, Louisiana uh, and the church ministry there and living here in this area for a while, getting ready to go to Ireland. And uh, sometimes when we think of missions, we don't necessarily think of Ireland. But uh, as I've looked at this and, uh, and uh, given a little bit more time to investigate this, I see there's tremendous need and opportunity for churches there and people to be reached with the gospel. And we have this young couple that's going to be going with their two sons. And they shared with us previously, and I've asked them to come back, give us a little update because things have been progressing. It takes a while, a lot of times, for these details to work out and get prepared and ready to go. 
And so uh, I want you to just welcome part of what we believe is part of our family here too, uh, Nathan and Emily Brown. So welcome. They're going to come up, give us an update this morning. God bless you guys. Amen. morning. Thank you, Brother Dennis, uh, for the opportunity uh, to share this morning. I think you forgot a very important verse uh, about the virus. Um, I was reading in the Bible this week in James chapter 4, verse 8. It's very important for all of us to get this in our hearts. Wash your hands, sinners. (laughs) So don't let that just let that be your life verse for the next couple weeks. I, uh, I just wanted to just give you an update on what's been going on with us uh, over the last few months. Uh, we appreciate the support, the partnership that we have with Covenant Life. And uh, so many of you have been praying for us, asking us for updates, asking us uh, just kind of what's, what's going on with us and as we've been waiting uh, for our visas. For, for those of you who aren't familiar with what we're doing, I'll give you a kind of a quick synopsis of, of what we're, we're planning to do. Uh, we are, in 2017, we took a trip to Ireland, and while we were there, just really felt the Lord uh, impressing on our hearts to move there to establish a church. And Ireland is a, uh, an area in great need of the gospel. Less than 2% of the island is evangelical. Mm-hmm. So there's a great opportunity there. And specifically, we're wanting to plant a church in West Belfast, establish a church there. In West Belfast, it's a community of about 100,000 people, and there is no evangelical church in that community. Uh, to kind of give you a perspective, I think Calhoun County is about 110,000 people. <laughs> so imagine this whole county and there not being a church present. Um, and so there's a great need, a great, not only a great need, but there's a great opportunity there for a, gosp- uh, for a gospel proclaiming church to exist in that community. And it's an area with a lot of history, uh, a lot of, uh, of violence and strife and difficulty. And uh, that's the area that God's called us to specifically reach. And so uh, Emily's going to kind of give you uh, an update on kind of where we have been over the last few months and kind of where we're going. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, I I thought the video that we had last week was very appropriate. I felt like we were sitting at the table with the marshmallows. And that's exactly where we've been. We've um, been seated at a table of a marshmallow where we've been able to enjoy this time with our family um, time that, that's very precious and dear to us because we haven't had that in all of our years that we've been in New Orleans. So this has been a gift for sure. Um, but we know what's coming. We know what's ahead of us. We're excited about it. Um, and we're, we're full of anticipation about what the Lord has to do um, yet over there. Um, our visas, like Nathan said, we've been waiting. Uh, we've, had, we've been here for several months now waiting. Um, the application is actually with the government now. Um, so we are just um, hoping and prayerful that they have fallen in the right desk at the right time. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what we've been praying for. Uh, we are partnering with a church that's already there on the ground. They're a church plant. So they started about the same time that we started the church in New Orleans. Um, and they are going to be sponsoring our visa um, to help us you know, with the work that we're going to be doing there in Belfast. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're waiting um, and hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And we are grateful for the ways you guys have grafted in on our journey. Um, we're just grateful for all the ways the Lord is using you and that you're a part of our story. And we're just Amen. grateful. We love you guys. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Good and wanted to just give you a few things that you can be praying for. Uh, 
for us, pray for our family over the next few weeks, few months. Um, first thing, we're, we're in need of a few uh, ministry partners. We're, need, we're in need of about five to ten ministry partners that can help us financially get over the ledge of being able to be fully funded when we get overseas. Uh, second thing, which is the biggest thing right now, um, is that visa sponsorship that is uh, pending before the government. It is on somebody's desk, um, and it really, it, it, it's, it's basically a person's perspective uh, on whether or not we can get in or not. So it's, uh, it's a point system, so they can say, oh, they've got this kind of figured out, they've got that, they need to work on. And so it's really just uh, very up to the person on whose desk it goes, goes on. So if you'll be praying that that person is having a really good day, is caffeinated, um, you know, they, they didn't have any traffic problems going to work, all that stuff. And uh, just be praying that that gets pushed through because that is really the thing that's holding us back. Yeah. Once that's granted, we're able to apply for our family visas, and that will be a very quick process. Um, and then that will give us three years guaranteed over there, um, and then we can renew that for another three years after that period of time. So if you'll be praying for that. And lastly, um, man, there is just such a hunger and a need for churches in that area. If you'll be praying over the next few months, as you see us on Sunday mornings, as you think about us, if you have a magnet on, our, on your fridge or something like that, if you'll just, uh, just please lift up Northern Ireland in prayer and, and Ireland in, in prayer that the, the gospel would continue to penetrate the, the hearts and minds of the Amen. people there in that community and that uh, through that, you know, God's kingdom will continue to grow um, and reach the nation. So Amen. we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for your continued support, your prayers. We're so grateful. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. We, uh, I know that you are praying for uh, Nathan and Emily and, and that you'll continue to do so. And um, we consider it a privilege to sow. When you sow, you can expect results from that in a lot of different ways. And many of you, some of you are already sowing into the ministry there. If you'd like to talk about that, I'm sure they'd love to share with you. If you'd like to support on a monthly basis, if God puts it on your heart, then you know I'd like to be a part of that. Certainly the church is going to be a part of standing with them in their ministry there. So uh, let's stand with them in the prayer request that he made and also that they're concerning various travel throughout the different parts of the world, that that's not going to be a difficulty there coming up too. So uh, I want you to just stand with them in prayer. How many of you will do that? How many are you going to agree to do that? I mean, you really mean to pray for these guys. I know that'll mean a lot to them. Well, let's stand. We want to worship the Lord together this morning.
Thank you. 
That's who our Father is. That's who our Father is. Yes, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you make a way where we can't see the way, that you are the God of hope and restoration in every life. It's available. His restoration, his freedom, his healing is available. Thank you, Jesus. We'll let our kids go hang out in their classes. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Interesting. Amen. All kinds of stuff up here. <laughs> you have to be careful with your hands full when you're stepping down from a stage up here. You have to give them <laughs> I won't say anymore. Um Kind of an inside joke, this side. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, well. Amen. Mary Hart does good like a medicine. We're living in a day where a lot of things are being shaken. Natural catastrophes, wars, our government issues in America, our nation, foundations of our family. Oftentimes, people's lives can be shaken by things going on in their own life. Maybe their health, maybe their family situations, relationships, their work, their job. The writer of Hebrews says that, uh, particularly in the last days, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. 
so that those things that, are, that should remain, things of the kingdom shall remain. Now, I think we're, we're living in those days. So God wants us to learn to live a life of unshakable faith. That's his heart. That's his desire. He's given us a way to do that. And the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he'd been talking about all the different things that had been going on, opposition, persecution, attacks, various things going on, hardships. And his response to those things that he had been dealing with was simply, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I'm not shaken by the things that are going on around me or even those things are being done to me. It's important for us to learn to thrive no matter what we're facing. Now that sounds like a big order, doesn't it? To be able to live so that you actually thrive even when you're going through some difficult times in your life. I need to insert in here the fact that unshakable life doesn't mean that it's perfect life. It doesn't mean that you have to live up to perfection and you may still have some things in your life, face some things, some false various things. It's, you know, those things happen in life as you continue to grow as a believer. Remember, we've been looking at a few verses and laying the foundation for an unshakable life. Uh, in Psalm chapter 16, verse 8, says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken I personally have made the decision to set the Lord continually continually he is at my right hand I'll not be shaken Psalm 62 verse 1 and 2 says I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him he alone is my rock and my fortress where I will never be shaken or I shall not be greatly moved what a great promise. We talked about last week being unshaken when you're tempted. And we looked a little bit at the difference between temptation and testing. And we looked at the important steps that we can take to be victorious over temptation in our life. Not to fail or yield to temptation. And, and there is temptation and testing like two sides of the same coin. A coin. Uh, in the scripture, oftentimes the same Greek word is used, and sometimes it's translated temptation. Sometimes it's translated testing or trial. And how do you know the difference? Well, it depends on the context, how it's used in that particular place or verse, and, and what sense is it intended, uh, and what sense is it intended for. And oftentimes the word temptation and testing or trial can, can be used uh, actually simultaneously. That can be referenced to both a thing being a trial or test and it also being a temptation and a temptation that can be trying so you can see that it's important for us to understand some basics Satan tempts you to destroy you God tests you to develop you you're tempted in order to cause you to stumble you're tested to help you learn to stand Satan tempts you to bring out your worst God tests you to bring out your best God can even take what Satan does or tries to bring upon you and can hijack it and repurpose it and bring about something good. That's amazing what our God can do. Our life is actually filled with tests. Every day we're tested concerning decisions that we make um, on a continual basis. We're tested as to how we are progressing. Are we passing the test is the question. 
Anybody here ever really like or enjoy being tested in school? In your school being tested? I always love those little statements to, uh, you know, that you get there in class and saying, oh, by the way, we're going to have a pop quiz this morning. But, you know, I learned in the educational field that testing is important. It's a way of evaluating. It's a way of seeing where your progress, how much progress you've made. Now, I also learned coming through college and also being involved in the uh, educational field and, and over the years that, that there are good tests and there are bad tests. There are teachers who know how to test and there are teachers who do not know how to test well. Um, a test should be able to adequately see how that student is learning, uh, is applying that material in their lives. Now, um, we used to have this one teacher that I remember that he would say, okay, this week you have five chapters to read and we're going to have a test at the end of the week. And that test will only be on one chapter. Now you talk about irritating. <laughs> he wouldn't tell you which chapter. But you knew, so what did you have to do? You know, pretty smart, I guess. Didn't know which one. So some guys were more gamblers than others, you know. <laughs> try to guess which one it might be and just study that particular one. I had a professor at JSU who I'm sure, considering that he was several years older than I am, uh, I was at school at JSU right out of college, so he was an older person, probably on up in his 30s, <laughs> maybe even 40 or so. And I can remember he, he taught political science, and he wrote our textbook. And he taught directly from the textbook. And he would simply read from the textbook every day. Chapter three. And you would, you would, now it was a large class of a couple of hundred people or so in it. And so since he didn't take role, since he didn't care whether you were there or not, and we knew he was just going to read the book, a lot of free time involved in that. And then when it comes to tests and um, it, it, it was interesting because he basically would give us our test before we were tested. And so we could study the test before we took the test. Uh, they don't make teachers like that anymore, it seems. But, so that, that didn't measure a whole lot as, as far as what we were really learning or how we were really growing in our, our knowledge of that particular subject. So we've had various, you know, there are tests that are given that actually don't measure anything or reveal anything, and then there are tests that really give you a picture of where you are. A test that's given to see if you've really grasped, if you've learned what you've been taught. A teacher instructs or gives materials and facts to the students and gives a test to try to prove that they got it. God will allow you to be tested to see if you got it. He'll develop you by seeing what you have really learned from the word and how you're applying it. And uh, he's already put in you what you need to not only learn and grow in that test, but to, to come out of it much, much stronger in your faith. Actually, testing is God trusting us to make the right choice. There's a lot of different examples of men and women being tested 
are going through trials in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we think of Joseph in the Old Testament that was betrayed by his brothers. Now, some of that he kind of brought on himself. <laughs> a little bit prideful and bragging about the family. You don't, want, you don't want to do that. Jealousy can be dangerous. But he was betrayed by his brothers and taken away into a foreign land. That was quite a test. Uh, he had to endure the test of being thrown into prison, of being falsely accused. So many different things that he faced. This was a real testing time. But it produced something in his life. Something that was good. And God promoted him at the end of that. We find that Daniel, uh, Daniel passed the test. And for instance, when he was obedient and how he lived his life and abstaining from the things that the king offered that, would, that, that were not good for his body and that he would obey God rather than, than the king. And of course, he also did that when he was willing to be thrown into a, a den of lions rather than to bow to worship any other god. Um, we mentioned, I think last week it was uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that, that the three Hebrew children, we call them, these young men, how they faced a real test of whether they would stand or whether they would give in, whether they would remain faithful or whether they would... Uh, they would uh, turn and give in to the pressure of people around them and worship other gods. A lot of different tests. One of the Old Testament, uh, one of the Old Testament characters that we have, a, a man, is a man by the name of Abraham that was went through quite a lot of testing and trials in his life. Abraham is an interesting. If you've ever done a study on Abraham, it's it's a tremendous study. So many things we can learn from the scriptures there referring to the patriarch Abraham. Now, you read about Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and you can kind of go through chapter 22 of the main chapters in Genesis. It talks about Abraham, and also you can read about him in a few other New Testament passages, particularly Hebrews chapter 11. Now, in the scripture, we can find at least 12 times that Abraham was tested. He was tested, I'm sure, more than that. But here's the interesting thing when you look at Abraham is that sometimes we get this picture paint of people in the Bible, these great patriarchs or even the disciples, the apostle Paul, that uh, these were extraordinary men. These were great men. These were men of faith. All that's true. Every bit of that's true. But they were human. They were human. Sometimes people as Christians, we have to think, I, you know, you get this idea that I'm to, I'm to live up here, this, this, this place here that I, I, I see that the, the disciples lived in, Paul lived in, and I, you know, and so I, you know, if I fail, then I feel like I've just failed in my walk with the Lord, and you know, I, I just have so many things that, that are wrong in my life. How in the world can God work in my life and use my life for His glory? Um, of course, we know that growth is a process. And becoming more like Jesus is a process. But it's interesting when you look at Abraham that um, he was 75 years old when, he was, when God spoke to him. And how did God speak to him? We're not told exactly. But he heard from God when he was 75 years old that he was supposed to leave his, leave his family, leave the place called Ur. You are called, he was to leave there and go. And our first question is, well, maybe why do you want me to go, God? And where do you want me to go? Well, he didn't get an answer really to either one of them that particular time. 
God has said go. And the answer to that, when you know that God has said go, you know what your answer is? Yes, sir. And he responded to that. But he said, go into land that I will show you. And he said, I want you to go and don't take any of your family. However, we see when it tells us about him leaving his own home and family that he took Lot, his nephew, with him. I actually think that was where he missed God. If you go on further and see the problems that came about because of his nephew Lot, you may be able to understand that. He was told to go and leave your family. Well, the nephew was part of his family. So, you know, he took him with him. Well, anyway, uh, he did that at age 75. Then we look at this great man of faith, but when you read about his travels in Egypt and then in, in another location there as they were traveling, you'll find that uh, he lied about, uh, he lied twice about his wife. Well, technically it was only, technically it wasn't a complete lie. You know, it comes to this area and you have to understand that that in our classification, as far as the age of, um, Mary was probably at that time, probably about in her 70s-ish, when they would meet these, and, and it says that she was so beautiful. She was so beautiful that he was concerned that the other people uh, from the other country that the king, that Pharaoh, the king, that they would want her. And if they knew he was her husband, then they would just get rid of him and take her. So he was, as we say down south, he was scared. And so in his fear, he was afraid of what would happen. So he, he says, well, I said, look, when they approach us there, then you just, you know, you need to know that we're going to say you're my sister. And so when they met these people, then he said, this is my sister. Does that sound like a great man of faith to you? They say even men of faith can have what some people call fainting spells. And this was one of his. He actually did it twice, insult to injury. But anyway, he said, this is my wife. Technically, it was, this is my sister. Technically, this was true. They, now, I know this may seem gross in today's world, but they had the same father. So it was, they were half brother and sister. So technically, what he said was true. This is my sister. He just didn't tell the whole truth. If you don't tell the whole truth, then you're not telling the truth. But anyway, he, 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 did, he was not a great man of faith here. He was concerned about his, his life, his, you know, saving his neck. He was, and, and so, tragically, they took her. And, of course, when they took her in two different occasions, then some bad things happened to the people who took her because God says, this ain't happening. This is not going to happen. And the amazing thing about it is you think that, uh, that in the long run, Abraham benefited from that because the folks who had taken her came back and gave him all kinds of stuff animals and wealth and stuff and said here you told us a lie she's your wife these things are happening to us please take her back and by the way here's some other stuff uh, interesting it's a different culture different time for sure but it shows us this great man of faith still had some flaws 
Another instance, we see that at the age of 86, God had promised that he would have a son, an heir, and that the world would be blessed in generations to come through his son, through his, through his children. And uh, things were just not happening. And they were getting older. And so you know the account there to where Sarah came up with, it seems that she's the one that came up with the plan and the idea. I said, here, just take our servant, our handmaiden, Hagar, and just, you know, take her and you, the two of you, produce a child. And they did, and Ishmael was his name. There's a lot we could talk about there as far as the problems that we still face because of that poor decision, the consequences. There's oftentimes people that will try to do God's will, but do it in their own way, or try to accomplish what they believe God's will is, but they try to do it in their own way. And that's a situation here to where rather than trusting God to do it in the right way, he tried to figure it out for himself. It was not a good idea, not a good plan, and trouble came as a result of that. But finally, the promise came supernaturally through the angels, and the angel of the Lord came and said that uh, Sarah would give birth to a son, a year from the time that they told her, you will, give, you, will, you will have a son. Of course, she laughed at that. You can understand why she laughed at that. She was about 90 years old. And it, uh, and it was an impossibility. She had not had a child. She, she was barren. She had never had, she was 90 years old and had not had one child. And yet the miracle came to pass. And at the age of, Abraham at the age of 100, had a son by the name of Isaac. And that was wonderful, God fulfilling his promise. But then there came the final test, what we see is the final test in Genesis chapter 22, and it's mentioned in Hebrews 11. So let me just go to Hebrews 11. If you want to go there in your Bibles, you can follow along. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. You remember that God told Abraham, I want you to take your son, Isaac, your only son, Isaac, and take him up, prepare for a sacrifice, take him up to the mountain, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham actually obeyed and was going to follow through with this. Now, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. He was the only son of promise. From Abraham, uh, that God promised Abraham. Now, interesting, it says, when God was testing him, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice. You see, he was able to make this difficult decision. It had to be a difficult one in a lot of ways from a human perspective, but he was able to follow this through. Why? Because he had already received God's promise. You can go through a lot of things in your life and fall through with things that God has called you to do if you know down deep inside that God has already given you his promises concerning that. Yes? Yes? J.B. Phillips' translation says, It was by faith that Abraham, when put to the test, made a sacrifice of Isaac. Yes, the man who had heard God's promises was prepared to offer up his only son of whom, he had been, of whom it had been said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. 
Your seed, shall, your seed shall grow into a great nation. In nations, he believed that God could raise his son up even if he were dead. And he did, in a manner of speaking, receive him back from death. In other words, he was good as dead in the willingness of Abraham to take his life. But God stayed his hand. God offered a sacrifice, a ram caught in the thicket, which he says, that's, and then Abraham said, this is Jehovah Jireh. God is the one who always provides. God is the one who provides. So in the process of his faith, willing to give his son, he knew that even if he took the life of his son, that because God had promised that this would be his heir, that that son would be raised back to life. What an amazing faith. He knew that no matter what happened on that mountain, that he and his son were coming back down from that mountain. You see how he developed in his faith? I think from lying about his wife. And then oftentimes it's that way. We, we have these places where we slip a little bit in, in, our, in our faith, in our stand. But I think it, that, that he was a process of where he came to this place in life to say, I'm all in and I'm all out for God. This is where he came to here in offering his own son. So uh, when, you when you have a test or a trial in your life, it's, it's like friction. There's a certain amount of friction that's going on there. Everything is it's like sandpaper that's, that's rubbing. Uh, you take sandpaper to smooth out the edges. Sometimes we, have, we need that in our lives. Sometimes we, we need to smooth out some things in our life and in following the will of God. So uh, a test or a trial can be like that sandpaper. Or it may be like, uh, well, you look at an oyster where it has a grain of sand that's an irritant. But out of that irritation comes a pearl and sometimes you face these irritations in your life sometimes they have names sometimes they are people we know and you have these going on in your life but but if you allow God to work in and through them and keep the right attitude he'll develop some really important and strong things in, in your life in serving him we know that fire is often used to test metal by melting it it, it purifies and brings forth the gold or the silver, the scripture says several times. Psalm 6610 says, You have tested us, O God. You've refined us as silver has is refined. Now, Paul said these interesting words. He says, We must enter the kingdom of God through tribulations. Now that's a real hallelujah word, isn't it? But it's just true that that in life you face some tribulations. In life you face some troubles. And he says, actually, you're going to enter in the kingdom of God, the process of going through these things. It happened. The disciples were tested. They went through trials. Jesus was tested. All these things happened. But there are some basic things I want to point out. We walk through this quickly. Some basic things we need to know when it comes to knowing uh, about being tested or tried in our, in our Christian life. First of all, we just need to be aware of that, that these tests and trials are present. They're present. They're present. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, if you want to look in your Bibles, it's the Amplified Version. It says, consider it, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various or diverse trials. That's a strange thing to most of us when we read. It says, hey... Just consider it to be joy when you're going through all this kind of stuff, these troubles, these trials. Consider it joy. Consider it joy. It says, consider it joy when you fall into various diverse trials, when troubles come your way. So it's important for us to know that it doesn't say, consider it joy if trials 
or tests come your way. It says consider it joy when they come your way. It's not if you're going to have tests and trials. It is you will. It's when you will have them. This is to be your response. Be assured knowing that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance or patience. It leads into spiritual, it leads to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Verse 4, and let endurance or patience have its perfect result or work in you so that you may be perfect, mature, and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will have much or will have tribulation. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. I mean, people going, you know, if you're facing trouble, a test, trials, stuff going on in your life, then don't be shocked. First of all, the enemy would love to use those things to discourage you and to pull you down. But God can use those things in your life to develop you in your faith. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. In other words, becoming a Christian doesn't make you immune to problems. Persecution and trials and testings are just a part of life. They're unavoidable and they're inevitable. But they're not to defeat you. They are to develop you. There are different kinds. It says the various or diverse kinds of tests or trials that comes against you. Sometimes it may be certain difficulties, health difficulties, financial difficulties, relationship difficulties. Sometimes it may be because of demands, not just difficulties, but demands. And by that I mean that, that there are certain, that God has given you certain instructions as to what to do. And our question is for us is, will, I, will we obey? Will we obey what he says? That can be a real test. Are you going to follow God's word? Are you going to listen to him and do what he says or not? It's a test. And sometimes we're tested when we face delays. We like for everything to happen just like that. Even in our prayer life, we want results just immediately. It doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't normally happen that way. And when you're, sometimes even if you, you, you believe something is God's will and you're walking at the best of your ability, you're walking at His will, and things are just not happening the way you, you, they need to or the way you feel like they need to, in that process you can get discouraged. You can allow it to... to, to uh, you can, you can allow it to affect you, affect your emotions, uh, even affect your faith. We need to understand that, that delay is not necessarily denial. And that there's sometimes that the enemy is preventing some things from, from unfolding in your life. And in that sense, you need to break through with that uh, in prayer and know that God is, going to, uh, God is going to give you breakthrough in that situation. And that answer will no longer be held back and kept from you. But I believe God also uses times of delays for us to just simply remain, to endure and be patient and persevere and know that ultimately God's going to do what he promised he would do. But it's during those times of waiting, those delays, that we oftentimes are tested. Is God going to come through on this? Is this really, is this really what the Lord has called me to? Why, why, have, why have there been more results? That, that's a time for you to stay in faith, remain in faith. Seek the Lord. Let him work in your life. So first of all, trials and tests, they're just present in life. Everybody has them. Everybody has them. Secondly, 
It's a process. When you're going through these trials and tests, it's a process. You're going through them. Always remember that you're not dying in them. You're going through them. You're going through them. James chapter 1 tells us to count or consider it joy, knowing. It's important for us to know, have an understanding in our heart that God's going to bring good out of this. And then when we know that, then just simply say, God, I'm just open to learn from this. Speak to me through these situations and give me wisdom to know what to do as I'm going through these things. And as you do that, you're going to see you're going to walk through that process of of patience and endurance that's going to allow you to, to overcome and develop some things in your life. Thirdly, when it comes to tests and trials, you need to understand that there is a real purpose behind it. There's a reason for it. And that's to refine us in our faith, to purify us in our life, to strengthen us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Says, These trials that you're going through are going to show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, and your faith is much more precious than mere gold. The goal of this is for spiritual growth and maturity is, is greater strength. It's actually for you to become more like Jesus in your life. Fourthly, a test and a trial, it's important for us to keep the right perspective. Keep the right perspective. Uh, a couple of verses here. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says, Even though for a little while you're going through various trials, rejoice and be joyful. This is no accident. Even though you're going through these trials for a little while, keep things in perspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, passing trouble, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. New Living Translation says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Keep an eternal perspective on your life. That when you're going through things, under, look at them in the light of eternity. How are they preparing you for eternity? Are they lining up with God's will in your life to live out according to the kingdom of God principles? We sometimes think when we're going through this stuff that we're never going to get out of it, right? Sometimes when you're going through it, man, is this not going to ever end? What's going to happen next? I mean, haven't you been there? What, could, what's going, you know, what else is going to go wrong? Anybody ever been there? Be careful that you don't set yourself up and start dwelling on all that stuff. In the lot of these things that are going on, remember, keep the right perspective. Don't forget who God is. Understand that God wants to do something good in this if you'll let him and if you'll, if you'll hear him and follow him. Now, how long it takes for people to learn is often dependent upon them. If God is trying to teach you something and he's not, try, he's not trying to hurt you, get that out of your head. When we talk about testing and trials, we're thinking, oh man, God's slapping me and God's doing nothing. No, he's a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. But we walk through these things in life, and he will even permit them in our life. And if we use them, walk them out according to his word, he will use them to develop things in our life that will be a blessing and that will help us. 
So keep the eternal perspective that God's going to do something wonderful out of this. I don't quite understand all that it is right now. I don't understand why some of these things are happening. But God, I'm just going to say that I'm going to hear you. I'm going to hear what you're saying to me in this. I'm going to find the way to victory. I'm going to find your promises. And I'm going to let them work in my life. And you just keep that eternal perspective that, hey, I'm not living in this junk. I'm just passing through it. And I will pass through it. And when I get through it, things are going to be better than they were before. You've got to keep that eternal perspective. All right? You're not going through these things eternally. Thank God for that. So keep the right perspective. Five, it's important to tap while you're going through these things to learn to tap into God's provision. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, and favored by God. I'd like to be. Like to be I'm, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. I am blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God. Is the man who is steadfast under trial and who perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, salvation is not based upon works. Salvation is not based upon what you do. Salvation is based upon what Jesus did for you. Salvation is a gift. But once Jesus is your Savior and is your Lord, you surrender to Him to follow Him. And in the process of that, the enemy will come against you and circumstances God will use in your life to develop you, to grow you stronger. The important thing is when you're going through these things, whether you're being tempted, tested, or trials, troubles, whatever it is, learn to tap into God's provision for you at that moment, at that time. God has provided what you need for that moment. Okay? Whatever you're going through right now, God has already provided for you what you need. You just need to know what it is. And he tells us what it is in his word. You can look at any trouble, trial, sickness, problem, things you're going through, and you can find God's promises of healing and restoration and wisdom and guidance and whatever you need. Whatever you need, you can find a promise that God has made to you and stand on it. Stand on that provision God has given you. Now, how do you respond in faith? How do you stay? How, how do you stay in a situation where you're unshakable in faith when you're in the middle of tests and trials? Well, first of all, for, for a lot of us, it's important for us not to be consumed with trying to figure out everything ourselves. Something's going wrong, you're trying to figure out why, what's going on. Why is this happening? It was good to ask questions. It's good to evaluate. That's true. But sometimes we got to figure out how to fix the situation. And God just wants us to listen to him. He's got the way. He knows the way. Important. I'll point out a few things to you here that will help you remain unshakable in the midst of trials. First of all, it's important for you to always recognize the source of what's happening to you. God gets blamed for a lot of things that are simply the attack of the devil. And people have allowed the enemy to beat them up thinking that it was God that was doing it. Now, God must be doing this for some reason. So God, just go ahead and do it. 
say that, God, I'm, I'm sick, but just keep me sick until I learn the lesson. Since you've made me sick, to teach me something. Just keep me sick. That's it's ridiculous. God is a God of healing. He doesn't put sickness on people or disease on people. There were curses in the Old Testament for sure. But sickness does not come from God. Now, can you remain faithful and walk through it and God have a, a testimony of God's faithfulness in your life, your spiritual walk while you're going through stuff like that? Absolutely, you can. But our God is the healer. But you cannot be healed or delivered from something if you're considering that God is the one who's given it to you for a purpose. Or it's difficult to be delivered from that. We have to understand the source of what's going on in our life. Is this something that the enemy is bringing? Is this the attack of the devil? Then resist the devil. Resist the devil. Claim the promises of God and say, this will not be. Take your hands off the situation. I am healed. I am delivered. I am free from this. No. No, the source. Is it the enemy that's bringing this about in your life or is it God working those situations? And we know that sometimes there can be a connection there, a blend. But don't be confused into actually surrendering yourself to what the enemy is doing in your life, thinking that God is the one who's doing it. It's important. Recognize the source of that temptation test and what's really going on there. Secondly, trust, trust God. Just simply trust God. No matter what situation you're going in, trust Him. That means trust. That means completely relying on Him. In other words, trust His wisdom and trust His goodness. Thirdly, just Get into the book, the Word of God, and learn how to apply those promises in His Word to the situation you're going through right now. And you can do that. Fourthly, watch your thoughts and your words. <laughs> watch your thoughts and your words. Because if you're going through some junk and you get over into complaining, all the moaning and the groaning, you know, all of us like to have a little bit of sympathy from time to time, just kind of like it's built in. Let somebody just, somebody feel sorry for me just a moment, okay? Just really feel good for somebody, just really feel sorry for me. All right, but you're, that's not, people being sympathetic with you is really not going to help you very much. It's not that that you need. You need people that will pray for you, that will stand with you, that will encourage you, that will help you walk through those things, be victorious. So you can, Love them, but be careful. Be careful that you don't get over into this morbid idea of why all these things happening to me and I'm the one that always goes through these things and it's not fair. If you get this in your mind, if you begin to think of yourself as a victim rather than being the one that's victorious, then it's going to be hard for you to, it's hard for you to, to have a life of unshakable faith. You're going to be dragged down by these things. Uh, it's important when you're going through stuff is to avoid the negative as much as you can, avoid negative people. Avoid negative uh, news. Avoid, I mean, you know, that's going to be hard sometimes. But keep as much as you can clear of, of, 
you know, when you're around people that are always complaining or everything is going wrong and it's one trouble after another, uh, it's probably going to drag you down. It will affect you. <laughs> you may remember the story of the doctor and the patient. The doctor said to his patient, I have some bad news and some worse news. The patient said, go ahead, doctor, let me have it. The doctor said, well, the bad news is you only have 24 hours to live. And the patient said, well, I can't imagine what could be worse than that. And the doctor said, I forgot to tell you yesterday. <laughs> uh, there's... <laughs> You're going to have to guard against the negativism and, and against the complaining and and." They're just people, some people just seem to enjoy living there. And you can keep loving them, and some of them may be family. You gotta be around them some, but don't 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 surround yourself with those negative situations. And finally, if you're going through these times, learn to focus on the benefits and the blessings of God. Instead of all the stuff that's going on that's wrong or that seems to be contrary to to, to what needs to be happening in your life. Focus on the benefits that, God, I know you're doing something great in my life right now. And I'm walking through some stuff right now, but I'm walking through it, and I'm walking through it in victory. And I know that you've shown me how to learn and grow through this situation. And I want to learn. I surrender myself to learn. I commit myself. Lord, I will endure. I'll walk through this thing, and I believe I'm going to come out more like Jesus. I believe I'm going to come through this thing, and I'm going to be stronger in my faith, have a more unshakable faith in my life. Because I've persevered and I've come through this stuff. That's important for us to do that, folks. So very important. Uh, Tommy Barnett, a great evangelist and pastor for many years. I was reading his book recently. One of the quotes says, The path where God leads us is seldom smooth and straight. Now, he'll make the crooked ways straight for us. He'll do that. But the path where God leads us is seldom smooth and straight. But God uses the twists and turns the roadblocks and the detours to deepen our dependence on him and to prepare us for greater things. Some of the things going on in your life right now may be just a tool that God is using to prepare you for greater things, to promote you. If you study about the trials and temptations, if you study about the people who went through those in the Testament, in the New Old Testament and New Testament, you'll find that as they walked through them, when they came through those things in faith, that they were all promoted. They were all, they were all advanced in the kingdom so that God was able to, to bless them in greater ways. And God wants us to move in that direction. God has a wonderful plan for you, not to rob you, but to enrich you, to live a life uh, not being surrounded by your inadequacies, but as the, James said, so that in you walk out this way and you walk it out and endure in faith and endure and you stay in faith, then he says, so that you will mature in your faith, lacking, lacking nothing, lacking nothing. God wants us to bring us to that place of maturity and growth. And in that, we're going to find a fulfillment, lacking nothing as we walk out our life of faith in him. So, all right, you're going through some stuff. Learn how to walk through it and learn from it and know that God is going to bring good out of it.